0: Get your Bibles open to uh, Acts chapter 27. We're going to be preaching out of Acts chapter 27. But for those of you that are maybe new here today, we're in a series, as you can see on our bulletin, called Matters of the Heart, Guarding Your Heart Through the Various Seasons of Life. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23 that above all else, meaning on the top of our list of important things that we should be focusing on, above all else... Guard your heart, because out of your heart flow the issues of life. In other words, if you lose your heart, you lose your life. And we're not going to go there this morning. I'm just sharing it to lay a little foundation. But in, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus told a parable you're all familiar with. It was the parable of the wise and foolish builders. You remember the, the wise builder took the time to dig down to hit rock. And, he, uh, and it, it always takes, by the way, you know this is a good, good illustration here. We could go ahead and just pave over that soil out there. Uh, And we could get it done in time. But the problem would be uh, we'd take a shortcut, and when the storms of life would come, or you would all start parking on that, or the different seasons would hit us, uh, we'd end up having broken up asphalt and giant potholes and all those kinds of things because we take the shortcut. I mean, you know, shortcuts look good on the short end, but they're really bad long-term. And so the builder here didn't take the time to build on the rock. He just built on the sand. And here's the point I want to get across. The storms come to the wise builders and foolish builders. The storms are coming. And I just want to say this. You know, last week we talked about don't envy wicked people. Psalm 73. Don't be envious of wicked people because they're walking on slippery ground. And the Bible says they have no future. That's a strong word. So when you're tempted to look at the the, the wealthy, the famous, the Hollywood crowd, the, the people on the front covers of all the magazines, and you go, wow, they, their life seems to be so easy. Uh, we talked about this last week. No, their lives aren't easy. They have the same storms, they just mask it better because they have material things to hide or to buffer some of the pain. But how many of you know the storms are going to hit you whether you're a Jesus lover or whether you're a wicked person, the storms of life come. The issue is not how to avoid storms, the issue is how do you shepherd and guard and pastor your heart so that when the storm hits you, you don't end up losing heart uh, and you don't end up getting, getting tripped up. You know, storms are not optional. Uh, storms bring about a sense of darkness and doubt. The clouds come out. The skies turn black. And I don't know about you, but I've been in seasons of my life when things have been so dark, you lose your point of reference. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you're just trying to find something solid. It seems like life is a swirl. The winds are blowing, and you've lost when you can't see anything in the stars. If you're a sailor and you're out there in the seas and you're looking for some way to navigate by the stars, you cannot see anything. Everything is black, and you cannot see the shore. So you talk about disorientation. You don't know where your boat's going and you have no idea if you're going to make it to the destination because disorientation and confusion are what you're living in. Uh, in Acts chapter 27, we're going to get there in a little bit, but in verse 20, this was, the, this was the scenario they found themselves in. It says, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last hope all hope was gone. Here's the, the strategy of the devil during a storm season. His goal is to remove hope from your heart. Any of you ever been there where you just feel like the situation is hopeless? You you can't think of a way to change the scenario or to get out of the set of circumstances that you're in. But I got news for you. The situation is never hopeless. And you you need to fight in those dark times. You need to fight and guard so that your heart is always pumping with hope. If you lose hope, you're in a sick place. You remember the start of, a, of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, one of my favorite movies. Uh, and it and it's talks at the beginning about the por- poor person on planet Earth. Clarence says it's, it's a bad situation. The person's lost hope. Uh, when you lose hope, you lose your heart. When you lose your heart, you lose everything. Um, look with me what Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 3. He said, During these, he said rather, my strength has perished... And so has my hope and my expectation from the Lord. This is the prophet speaking. My, my strength has perished. So has my hope and expectation. When you lose hope, you lose strength. And when you lose strength, you simply can't go on. So how many of you know you got to fight for hope? Because when you lose your hope, you, you lose your passion. You lose your energy. You lose your strength to endure. And I want you to see another, another passage of the prophet speaking in Isaiah chapter 50. He, he said, if you're walking in the darkness, Without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Can I get an amen from that? Trust in the Lord and rely on your God when you're walking in darkness. Here's what I want to ask you a question this morning. Should we interpret the storms in our life as a sign of God's displeasure or His lack of love or care for our lives? I'm going to ask you again. Should you interpret the storms as a sign that God's somehow mad at you or or displeased with you? But isn't that where we want to go? Isn't that where our emotions take us? When the storms hit, we begin to say, well, God, where are you? Well, God, why would you be allowing me to go through this? God, how come I'm feeling this way? God, how come I'm experiencing some pain? Lord, how come I'm experiencing discomfort? And you begin to ask whether or not the Lord still loves you. But how many of you have ever traveled or taken an airplane trip, you know, uh, during overcast skies? When you take off, it's rainy and it's gray and it's black, it's dark. But how many of you know when you get above the clouds, guess what's still shining? In fact, it's really cool. You come out, you get out of Chicago in the fall or the winter and you get above the clouds. Boom, Mr. Sunshine is hanging out. But guess what? Could you see it? No, you couldn't see it. But guess what? The sun is always shining because that's what God set up the sun to do. And guess what? Every day the sun runs its course, every single day, whether you see it or not. You know, I'm looking outside in my yard, and all uh, all of my beautiful bulbs are not blooming. In fact, they're nowhere in sight. In fact, my yard looks pretty crummy right now. But I'm asking you this question, are the bulbs still there? Absolutely. Here's the point. It's not their season. When their season comes, guess what? They're going to they're shine. Some of us are not in a season right now where the sun is shining, but I guarantee you the sun is still shining, and God's favor is still on your life, and His love and His faithfulness are still there supporting us. And so let's be like the prophet Isaiah. Let's trust in the Lord and rely on our God, even in the season that we're in where it maybe seems like, Lord, where are you? He's still there, and He still cares. Let's take a look. Flip over now to, to Acts chapter 27. What I want you to see at the beginning of Acts 27 is Paul was on an assignment. He was told by the Lord he's going to stand in Rome before Caesar. And so the chapter begins with this phrase or this sentence in chapter 1. When the time came, the Bible says, we set sail for Italy. Now here's what I want you to see about Paul. Paul, at this moment of his life, is perfectly in the center of God's will. And I want you to see it was the right time to sail. The Bible says when the time came. So he's in the right time. He's in the right season of God's will. And he's moving forward in faith. And then I want you to see what happens next A storm hits. Now, I just want to encourage you. A couple weeks back, I tried to get you to shift your paradigm and to start looking at Sunday differently. I said, don't look at Sunday as the last day of the week and give God the leftovers of your energy, your time, your money, or whatever. Start viewing Sunday as the first day of the week. This is the day we move forward in faith. This is the day we give our whole week to the Lord. Amen? This is the day we don't give God our leftovers. We give God the first and we give God the best. Now, how many of you know that paradigm shift will change your life? Some of you aren't sold on that yet. But I'm telling you the truth. That paradigm will shift, shift in your brain and will shift your destiny. That's how important that paradigm is. I'm going to tell you another paradigm shift that you need to hear. How about when the storm hits, you start worshiping with a sense of expectation. That's what you're saying, Pastor, we just got a $100,000 bill and you're excited. Yes, I'm excited. What do you want me to be, depressed? Come on. We're covenant people. Why should we expect when we're going through life and the storms hit that somehow we're supposed to be exempt from the storms because we love Jesus. Wasn't there a storm Jesus went through called, like, the cross? I mean, he, he went through some serious storm. How about the Apostle Paul, who, who is the author here, who we're learning about here, and not the author, uh, Luke's the author, but Paul's the, the, the subject here. This is a man that was pretty serious in his connections with Jesus. And did Paul go through any storms? I think he did. So how about this? Why don't when the storms come, why don't we start doing this? Thank you, Father. You're about to teach me something really amazing about who I am and who you are. Thank you, Lord. You're about to show me something about your faithfulness. Thank you, God. You're giving me some journal entries about your goodness and about your miraculous power and the way that you've been faithful to me through all the storms of life. In other words, stop interpreting storms as displeasure. In fact, why don't you say, wow, the storms are coming. I must be in the sweet spot of God's will for my life. Why don't we start viewing storms as pictures of divine affirmation that we're moving forward in faith instead of that somehow God's picking on us? In fact, it's interesting to me, some of the saints of old, when they went through seasons when there was not any severe persecution, they would repent because they thought they backslid. John Wesley, for one. John Wesley writes in his journal that he had to go and repent uh, because he'd lost his edge and he lost his fire and and the attacks on his ministry had stopped and he said, God, please forgive me if I've drifted from you. And then as the story goes, a rock went flying over his head. He looked up, there was an angry mob said, that's the scoundrel, get him! And he jumped on his horse and rode off rejoicing in the Lord. True story. John Wesley. How I many of you know if it's good enough for the, the saints of old, it's good enough for us? And perspective is everything. If you have this rosy perspective that everything's always going to be sunshine and a warm breeze in your face, um, you're going to be very disappointed in life. And let me tell you what else. You're going to find that you lose your heart because you're going to be constantly surprised when you should be going, I knew this was going to come. Come on, let's bring it on. Now, please hear me. I'm not a glutton for punishment. And I'm not wishing you live in storms nonstop. The sun's going to shine, and you're going to have warm breezes, and there's going to be mountaintops. But I'm to, I would be a lying pastor if I told you that you weren't going to face some storms throughout the way. But how many you know we face them differently than people that don't know Jesus? So look what happens next when the storm hits. Listen to some of these phrases and conditions, and tell me if you haven't been in seasons like this in your life. I know I have. Verse 4, it says, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship On the course. Anybody felt like the the wind was blowing in your face and you're having to work, 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 work just to make any ground? You have to fight to keep your family on course because it feels like everything's blowing apart. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says there was slow sailing. I hate slow sailing. I like fast sailing. I hate slow sailing. Great difficulty. And who wants difficulty? The wind was against us instead of at our backs. We struggled. We lost a lot of time. Verse 9, the weather was becoming dangerous. And I want you to know as we move through verses 7 through 9, it gets worse from there. How many of you have figured out that sometimes when you're entering a storm and you're praying and you're believing God and you're fighting uh, and you get a word from God that encourages you, sometimes it gets worse? Just laying it out here, folks. Now, let me ask you a question. If it gets worse after you just had a great church service and your heart's encouraged and then Monday comes and it's worse, does God not like you? That was kind of a double negative there. And you're all going, wait a minute. What do I, how do I answer that? <laughs> the answer is this. Of course, the Lord's love for us is steadfast. Has God's promise over your life changed just because your circumstances don't look like you? No, God's word is true. And his word is still true. What he's looking for is some people that will learn how to navigate through the storm with him and not fall off the ship. So here's the situation. Look at the power of a promise in Psalms or I'm sorry, in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 27, verse 22. Paul says, "Take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God, and I want you to see what Paul says here because these two phrases are really, really important when you're going through a storm. The angel of God, talking about God here, not the angel, God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. Now, I've known people that when the storm comes, they pull out their church attendance card or their I believe in God card. But I mean, you know, the storm's going to test the depth of your relationship with Jesus and whether or not it's real or not and vibrant or not. It's not just like, oh, God, I got my I believe in you card here. Help, help, help. That's not going to get you through the storms of life. Look at what Paul said here. He said said, that God to whom I belong, I want to ask you this question. Do you belong to the Lord? I mean, is your life his property? Have you consciously given your life to him? Because, you know, when the storm comes, that's not when you go, hey, God, me, it's your, it's your buddy here. And he's like, who are you? I don't even know you. You know, the Bible says that, right? I don't know you. Do you belong to the Lord? Is your life given over to him? And then Paul also said, this is the God to whom I serve. Is your mission God's mission, or is it still about you? Some people, when they're in the storm, this is their prayer. God, stop the storm. I don't like it. God, stop the storm. This is messing up my plans. How many of you know God doesn't really care? He's not taking a public opinion, Paul, on whether or not you like it or not. Uh, He's never done that. And and I'll tell you what he definitely doesn't care about. He doesn't exist to make your plans come true. We exist to make his dream come true. And the sooner we figure that out, the better it gets. Because when you're in a storm, you better know you're on his mission and you belong to him. And that's part of Paul's confidence here. He said this. Verse 24, this is what the angel said. Don't be afraid, Paul. How many are glad the angels in heaven know your name? Did y'all catch that? He called him, he, he called, hey, Paul, an angel, check this out. Hey, Paul, chill out, dude. Don't worry. Let me tell you what the Father's telling me right now. All right, I'm bringing a message to you. Don't be afraid. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Now this is cool. How many of you know when you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, you're on mission with the Lord, you're walking in obedience to God, you exist for His glory, there is a favor that you carry that blesses people around you. Okay, one other person is in agreement. You guys, this is second service. You guys got to up your game. First service was more alive than you guys. I was on a flight one time overseas going to Pakistan or somewhere on a missions trip, and we hit turbulence. And I kid you not, this is what goes through my mind when I'm doing that. I know where I'm going. I'm going to Pakistan. And I wanted to stand up and say to everybody on the plane, hey, all you guys and gals. Chill out. I know we're going through some turbulence, but this plane ain't going down. I'm going to Pakistan, and God's going to get me there. So relax, because you're with a servant of the Most High God. How I many of you know when you're employed at a business and you're a godly man or woman and you carry your business before God and you love people and you work with excellence, the favor of God is on your life and the favor of God brings blessing to those who employ you? Okay, about three, I got three of you now. I got about, I got about three of you in agreement. We carry with us the presence of God and the pleasure of God and the promise of God and the prosperity of God. I just want to say this, if you're my friend and I love Jesus and I'm Jerry Harvey's friend and he loves Jesus, I know when I hang out with Jerry Harvey, the blessing of God spilling over his life onto my life. I know I'm a better man if I'm in his presence. Y'all know what I'm talking about here. When we belong to a powerhouse called the body of Christ, there's something powerful about the favor of God that's on. God's people and you need to get this in your spirit so that when you're under attack and your finances are under attack, what do, what do I do when my finances are under attack? I'll tell you what I do. I was born again on, on a Tuesday. My mama had me in church on the next Sunday, a following Sunday, and I have not missed too many Sundays in between. I was raised in the church. I was raised in a godly family. From when I was little, my mom and dad taught me, son, if you get a dollar from grandma, you tithe off of that, and you take 10%, take a dime, and you bring your dime to Jesus on Sunday, and you sow it because you are faithful. You're a steward with what God has blessed you with. So when the enemy comes at my finances, are you kidding me? This is what I say, devil, do you know who you're messing with? Do you know how much seed I planted in the ground? Devil, I've been planting seed since I was seven years old. Who are you think you're messing with? Do you think you're going to shake us on our finances? God's been faithful to us for five decades. Do you think he's going to change tomorrow? Are you nuts? You better mess with somebody else. Now, that doesn't mean we're rolling in wealth. What it means is this. God is faithful to meet my needs. And you know what? What he's saying is, guys, on the boat, y'all chill out. I know it looks really bad right now. By the way, the storm was raging. When Paul's giving this speech, hey, guys, angels showed up last night and was hanging out with me. I can just see these sailors going. Dude, one more angel comment, and you're overboard, all right? But Paul keeps going. Hey, this is what the angels said. We're all going to make it. All y'all going to make it. That's what the Lord said last night to me. Now, how many of you know at that moment you have a choice? Like I said, every week I'm trying to dish it out promises the word of god but guess what every one of you has to do every week you have a choice yeah, that dude doesn't quit talking about angels man i'm sick of this stuff or you go you know what according to your word lord so be it i receive it my heart is good soil so here paul's preaching to these this rough crowd of sailors in the midst of a storm and he said you know what i'm going to see caesar chill out everybody is going to make it but look at verse 26 i hate verse 26 but we will be shipwrecked on an island. (laughs) How many of you know God absolutely has the power at that moment, stop the storm, still waters, the boat cruises up to the island, sun shining, the people on the island of Malta are waiting with, you know, cool drinks. God, why didn't you end this story that way? Paul says, oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna get shipwrecked. The arrival is going to be a little tough, but we're all going to make it. Can I just tell you, to me, this is, this is good news because it helps. Like, here's the way I think, all right? This happened to Paul. <laughs> Sam, who do we think? Who do We, we, we get like a special get, get out of a, a shipwreck's free card or something like that. This happened to one of God's choicest servants. Why am I whining about having a rough arrival every now and then? Anybody have a rough rough? I had a rough week this last week. All right, with some health kind of stuff. I'm up here this morning, running to the bathroom, cleaning out. That's gonna be one question I ask the Lord when I get to heaven. How does that much snot fit in this head? Any of you ever wonder that? You all week long, and I still got more. If anybody needs some, I'll share it with you. Alright, I'm just kidding. That was terrible. I would never do that. I'm gonna keep it all to myself. I'm not gonna share any of it with you. Look at verse 29. They're beginning to look at how, I forgot to tell you this part too. Paul says, guys, we're all going to make it. Two more weeks of violent storms after Paul said that. Two weeks? Now, can I just encourage you? Hang on like a bulldog to the promises of God. And don't quit before you get on shore. Because listen, you're going to make it to shore. I got to say it again. You're all going to get to the other side. God's not quitting on anybody, but you're going to have to bite down on that bone and hold on to it like a bulldog and not let anybody rip it out of your mouth, that promise of God's word, because sometimes after the promise, two more weeks of hell, and that's what happened here. Look at 29. At this rate, they were afraid that they would, we would soon be driven along against the rocks on the shore, so they threw out, the Bible says, four anchors from the back of the ship, and they prayed for daylight. How many of you know you got to keep praying for daylight? Hallelujah. You never bl- thank you, Lord, for this dark. No, don't thank the Lord for the dark. Pray for daylight and throw out some anchors. Let me give you four anchors that I think are important for us. The first anchor is an anchor called calling. Notice in verse 24, the the promise was you will surely stand before Caesar. Now, let me just share this with you. There's no safer place than being fully surrendered to Christ and pursuing his purpose for your life. I mean, that's calling, knowing who you are and what you're called to do. Be about your father's business. When the storms come and you're pursuing your calling, Chill out. Throw an anchor in. That calling becomes an anchor to you, and it's, it's a strength to you because you know who you belong to and you know who you're serving. Second anchor is an anchor called courage. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, don't be afraid, the Lord says, for I have ransomed you. How many ransomed people are in this room right now? I'm a, hey, I'm a ransomed person. He says, I've called you by name. How many of you God called you by name? You're born again. You're a follower of Jesus. He called you into relationship with him. That's me right there. You are mine. How many of you belong to Jesus? He says over your life, you belong to me. You are mine. All right, that's who this is promises for. Look at verse 2. When you go through deep waters, I'm going to be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you're feeling like, God, am I going to make it? This is what you need to declare. Hallelujah, Lord, I thank you. When I go through these rivers of difficulty, I declare I'm not going to drown. You're going to keep my head above the water. I will not drown. I will make it to the other side. God is for me. I've been ransomed. I've been called. I belong to him. Now, let me talk about another anchor that we need. It's the anchor called thanksgiving or worship. Jump down to verse 33, Acts 27, 33. This is a little later in the story, but it highlights the importance of worship. Just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, so they haven't eaten at all for two weeks now because the storm's so bad. Look at verse 34. Please eat something now for your own good for not a hair of your heads will perish. And then he took some bread, and he gave thanks to God before them all, and he broke off a piece, and he ate it. And the Bible says then everyone was encouraged, and they began to eat. Now let me pause here. When is this nice little communion service taking place? It's almost like a communion service, isn't it? Paul's standing there with a loaf of bread. The storm is still going on. It hasn't stopped yet. But Paul says to them, not a hair on your head is going to perish. Y'all need to eat now. And he starts breaking the bread, and he's ha- passing it out. In the, in, I want you to see this. In the middle of the storm. Can I encourage you? You know, my mama, I, I love my mama, and I, I love her lifestyle, right? She's 83 years young. She's not polished silver. She's polished gold. Come on. And... Um, But I know people, I know people that when the challenge comes, they just roll over and die and they just, you know, let it, let it hit. She was not starting not to feel good this past week. She said, I took communion. I said, that's awesome. So she, she said, yep, I, I, I sat there in the kitchen and me and the Lord, we took communion and I reminded the Lord of his covenant with me and of his shed blood and of his power to heal me. And I just told the devil, I'm not taking it. Or you could just go, or you could just go, oh, well, it's that time of year. Everybody gets sick. I'm just going to invite the sickness all over me and roll over and just take it. Or you fight. I appreciate she fought. That's the point. Standing in the midst of the storm, what do you do? Can I encourage you? One of the greatest things you can do in the midst of your storm is give thanks to the Lord and worship him. You worship Him sometimes in the dark before sunrises come, but you worship Him. And that's what they did here. And then lastly, here's another anchor. Calling, courage, worship. Fourth anchor, I believe is community or church. When the storms of life are hitting, that's not the time to be a lone ranger. That's why I... I, I, I have you guys do what we do at the beginning of our service every week to make sure that nobody walks in this church and walks out of this church without having people that connect with them, shake their hand, give them a hug around the neck, maybe introduce yourself. I want you to be known. I want people to love you. I want people to encourage you. I want you to leave here feeling a whole lot better than when you came in. And how many of you know we need each other to get that done? Y'all remember those stupid commercials that were out uh, for the armed forces a few years back, the Army of One? What a dumb concept. But we are trying to recruit narcissists. So when you're trying to recruit a narcissist, you have to make them feel overly important. But anybody that's been in the military will tell you that if you're going to have an Army of One, you're going to be in a bad situation. Because in military and in battles, the more the merrier. Can I get an amen on that one? So there are Christians, let me just say this, you know, when all this COVID is coming out, I heard Christians going, hey, God's trying to, to uh, reset the church. The church isn't about buildings. The church isn't about coming to the institution. We are the church and we don't need to come to a building and we can sit at home in our living room and our pajamas and we can watch on TV and we can be the church. Okay, how I many of you know most lies are cleverly disguised half-truths, all right? That's why they, that's why they sound good. This, this building is not the church. We understand that we're the church, but I do really cruddy when I don't have you. And I don't do well in the midst of a storm for sure when, I don't, when I'm not connected to people who love me. And when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death and it's with the worst storm of my life, how many of you know my mind will tell me stupid things? Like I'll start having pity parties. I'll start feeling like nobody cares about me. I'll start feeling like God doesn't care about me. I'll start feeling hopeless and I'll start throwing up my hands like, is it worth it all? And how many of you know that is a dangerous place to be? And so that's a misnomer. I'm grateful we have this facility. I'm grateful we have a building and land. Because let me tell you something. If we didn't have a building and land, you know where we'd be worshiping during the COVID pandemic? In our kitchens alone at home. But we got dirt. It's, it's rich dirt. It needs to have some concrete in it, all right? It's great dirt. <laughs> but we got great dirt. And we got an incredible facility that was created not to worship the facility, but to facilitate the ministry of Jesus in this place. And I don't know about you, but Sundays are my favorite day of the week because I get to be with people and I get to love people and I get to get connected at the heart with people because we need each other. And so the anchor you need is an anchor called community, called church. And I just want to say this. God is moving. He doesn't have a plan B on planet Earth. He's moving through his church, through the gap. You know, church is a plural word, by the way. You can't, you're, you're not a church. It takes more than one of us coming together to be Christ's bride. The good news is there's, there's billions of us all over the planet who are Jesus lovers. This is great news. God has an amazing church, all different shapes, colors, sizes, it's It's amazing. But we need each other. And I just want to encourage you, don't wait for your storm to hit until you try to figure out if you're part of a local church. It's too late when the storm hits. It's too late. Now, after Paul gave this amazing encouragement, and let me just say, look at verse 37. I love this. All 276 of us who are on board. The Bible includes, the Holy Spirit includes 276. He knows the exact number of the people on the ship. You know, God knows us by name here today, and he knows how many of us are here, and this is his word to all of us. We're going to make it to the other side. All 276 of you are going to make it to the other side. God is a God of detail. And listen, when his promise goes out and he says something, he means it. That means all 276 of you folks who heard this promise are going to make it to the other side. What a great promise from the Lord. Now, in spite of the promise, I found this to be true. There are people that when it all hits the fan, they're jumping ship. I've ever been to places like that? When it hits the fan, they jump ship. Paul had just given them this incredible word. We're going to make it. And some of the folks are going, I don't believe it. And they start looking around and they find some rowboats. And they're they're going to pretend to get off the ship without anybody seeing them. And this is what Paul says to them, and I want you to hear this. Look at this, look at this word from the Lord. This is verses, uh, uh, verses 30 through 32. The sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though, so there are a bunch of posers here, as though they were going to put out anchors from the ship, uh, in the front of the ship. Verse 31, but Paul said to the commanding officer and soldiers, listen to this, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So what did they do? The soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and they let it drift away. Here's the word of the Lord. Stay on the ship. Now you're saying, Pastor, what are, you, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say if, if we leave living stones, we're going to die? No, that's not what I'm trying to say. But this is what I am going to say because I've been pastoring for 40 years. My dad used to call these people runners. Y'all know who runners are, or what a runner is? These are people that when God starts getting close to their issue... When God starts getting close to the breakthrough, when God turns up the heat so that the storm rages, so that God can bring breakthrough and healing and reformation, what they do is instead of, instead of embracing what God's doing and, listen, letting him change them, they run. They run. They say, hey, where, where'd that guy go? I don't know. I haven't seen him for a month. Where's he been? I, I don't know. I haven't seen him either. He's a runner. He's looking for the lifeboat. Can I encourage you in life, get rid of your lifeboats and your plan Bs. Some of you need to hear this for your marriage. There's not a plan B for your marriage. God wants to heal and bless your marriage. Quit quit looking for your lifeboat every time things get rough. There are always people that will take shortcuts. There are always people that will look to, to go out the easy way. And I'm telling you, you go the easy way, you're going to die. And what do I mean by that? I'm not necessarily talking about physical death, although I have seen people die. I have seen people run from God, run from the ship, and they get off in bad situations and they die some of them overdose on drugs some of them go back to their addiction some of them have relational breakup they lose their family I've seen I've seen devastation I've seen shipwreck after shipwreck over 40 years what is the one common denominator they cut and they run they jump on their little boat and they think they're gonna go out and do it themselves and they don't need anybody else and they don't need godly leadership in their lives they don't need to listen to anybody tell them anything about their lives or speak any kind of counsel or truth in their life they're gonna get on their little boat and they are going to go uh, into the storm themselves. Let me tell you something. You will be absolutely destroyed. And I just want to say this. We're coming into a season in America and in the world today as the storms are raging, as we've never seen things that we've dealt with. Can I just tell you something? Stay on the ship. What do you mean, pastor? Stay connected to the people of God stay in fellowship with people you know i was thinking of luke abbott's situation and luke i say hello to you if you're watching online if you're not here yet today but luke's doing really well by the way praise the lord but when we got news of that accident and that he was in the emergency room within an hour there must have been 30 or 40 living stones people in that emergency room where those people come from well i'll tell you amen give yourselves a hand for that Where where did all those people come from? They came from the ship. They're they're on the same ship. And when one of our guys is down or one of our people is going through something, here's the question I want to ask you. Who are you connected to that's on the same ship that's going to show up in your storm and going to help you get through it? Now, 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 let me just, I'm going to mess with some guys here because this is our problem as men. I put myself in the same category. Most men, if I ask you this question, guys, If you were to die today, could you think of six men in your life, not family members, not family members, six men who you know and love and have great friendships with that would carry your casket? Six. Most guys outside of relatives can't think of six men that they have any kind of a relationship with because we're so independent. And we're so busy doing our thing that we have no time to connect heart to heart. This is why we encourage life groups. This is why we encourage discipleship ministry. This is why we encourage our encounter weekends. This is why we encourage regular church attendance. I know that's not cool in our culture today, regular church attendance. This is the ship of God's agenda, being a part of the body of Christ. You need to be connected heart to heart, and you need relationships with real people because when your storm hits, I've seen people do this. Well, you know, pastor, you know, the church let me down. You know, nobody came and rallied around me when I had my situation. Listen, dude, quit throwing your problems on the church's steps because here's what I would challenge you. Why didn't you get connected? Why didn't you get connected? Your storm came, you were left stranded, and you're mad at the ship when you got on your little raft and took off months ago. I'm just, I'm just preaching the truth here from a pastoral perspective, right? Next week I'll hear your opinion. No, I won't because you're not going to preach next week. I'm going to preach next week. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, this is the truth. The sign of how well connected you are to the, to the ship is what happens in your storm. And let me just say this from the bottom of my heart. I want everybody in this room to have incredibly rich friends and lots of them and people that you know and love. And when you're going through your struggle, you're overwhelmed by the body of Christ and their love for you. When your time comes and it's your funeral, I want to see this place packed, not because people have to be here because they're all uh, relatives, but because they're friends of yours and they love you and they want to come and support you in your time of need. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is huge. This is an anchor that you need. Now let me end with this. The commanding officer says in verse 43... All who can swim or jump overboard first, make for land. Verse 44, the others, hear this, you got to hold on to planks or debris from the broken ship. I told you this arrival was going to be rough. So everyone, everybody say everyone, Everyone. Everyone. escape safely to the shore. So here's the deal. The ship's not perfect. Sometimes the ship gets broken up. But here's what you need to do. When you're in your storm, grab a hold of a piece of the ship. All right. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let me have some fun play on words here. I want to give you five pieces of the ship y'all need to grab a hold of when, when the storms are raging. All right. First part Lordship. I'm going to give Jesus undivided allegiance and complete submission. When you're in a storm, the best place to be is completely surrendered to the Lord. You with me? Grab a hold of Jesus, that piece of the ship and let him take you safely to shore, all right? Second part you need to hold on to is the discipleship, all right? What do I mean by discipleship? It means I'm going to embrace my call from Jesus to join him on mission. Join him on mission. Can I just tell you something? When we as a church family are about our Father's business here at Living Stones, which means we're going after lost people, loving people, restoring people, healing marriages, caring for the poor, uh, helping the sick, uh, spreading the gospel, planning Aurora schools overseas. How many of you know we should be so bold in our faith and so aggressive in our forward motion and believing God? Why? Because we're part of the mission. Does this make sense? We're we're not just doing crazy stuff. We're part of the mission. We're we're on assignment, and God promises to bless us as we're on assignment. So grab a hold of discipleship. Number three, grab a hold of worship. That's a great plank to grab a hold of. I'm going to stay God-focused and faith-filled when the storms of life come my way. Man, when you're getting hit, hey, there's a board flowing by. Grab a hold of it. It's worship. You're going to start holding on with one hand and Worshiping the Lord with the other. Hallelujah. Look at number four. How about this part of the ship? Stewardship. I'm going to use my life and all that I've been given in the service of Christ and in his mission. Steward what God has placed in your hands. Grab a hold of stewardship. Make sure your your whole life and all of your resources are on mission with the Lord. And lastly, this is a good one, fellowship. I'm going to be a covenant man. I'm not going to fight alone. I'm going to be a faithful friend and a faithful brother to others. Amen? Those are pieces of a ship you need to hold on to when you're trying to get to shore. Here's the word, though. We're all going to make it to shore. Now, I've got to bring up another story. If we had time and you get into the next chapter, how I many of you know when Paul and the gang all arrived, uh, the first thing that happened is they made a fire. Remember that story? And guess what happened to the God's favorite? He gets bit by a poisonous snake that's hanging off of his hand <laughs> as he's building the fire, and the villagers go from thinking he is absolutely cursed by God to Paul simply nonchalantly says he shook the snake off into the fire. Now, maybe you know that was intentional. Like I'd be going, "Yeah, oh! you know, like freaking out, like get this thing off me!" But it says Paul. Shook the snake off. And then they started looking at this guy. Is he gonna bloat up like a toad and die, foaming at the mouth? Because obviously he's cursed by God. That's how they interpreted cursed by God. But Paul just went on building the fire and acting like nothing happened. And then they said, This man must not be cursed by God. We swing to the other extreme. He must be God. And they start, to start trying to worship. How many of you know human nature is really screwed up? We go from one extreme to the next. And how, how many of you know this happened in like, probably like five minutes, all right? Uh, didn't take a long time. My point is this. I crack up when I read the Bible because it's like, Lord, none of that needed to happen in my mind. But it all did. And here's my point. Paul never got off track. Just shake the snake off in the fire. Keep moving. Some of you got some snakes you need to shake off. Some of you right now, you're going through a really, really rough time. And uh, go ahead and stand up. We're gonna pray. Um, But some of you need some encouragement today. And here's what I wanna say to you. You're going to make it to the other side. Can, Can you just turn to about three people around you and just tell them, you're going to make it to the other side. Hey, Kayla. Hey, Big B, see the shore, baby. It's on the other side. How many of you right now, we're not going to have people come up and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to pray. But I just want to see by raising of hand, How many of you right now are really, you feel like you're in the midst of a pretty serious storm in your life? Get, get your hands up, okay? Now, keep, keep them up. But I just want some, some people around you. All we're going to do, you don't need to know any situation, but, but I just want somebody around you to place a hand on some shoulders, all right? Front row here. Find some people. We're just going to pray for them, all right? We're going we're to be on the same ship together, all right? We're going to get to the other side. Keep those hands up. Everybody find somebody around you. We got some front row folks over here that could use some love and support. And hey, here's all we're going to do. We're just going to believe the word of the Lord. Amen. And we're going to activate our faith and we're going to believe God for breakthrough. And guess what? We're praying for daylight. We're praying for daylight for all you guys. We're praying for daylight. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see these hands that are raised right now. God Almighty, there's a storm raging. And the beautiful thing is, Lord, you know everything about every one of your saints here today. You said not a hair on their head would be lost. And Lord, you said they will make it. Ashore, every last one of them—not a single person would be lost. Lord, I prophesy that word over our church family today. We just all come into agreement for you right now. In the midst of your storm, you're going to make it. You're not going. The waters are not going over your head. You will not drown. You're going to make it to the other side. We speak to discouragement and fear and depression and all those emotions that want to well over us. We say, in the name of Jesus, we break your power off of the lives of God's people. Lord, our heads are above the water, and we're going to stay there. Lord, you're going to bring us through the high water, and you're going to bring us to dry ground. God, thank you that the sun is shining over everybody in this room right now. God, your favor, your love, your power, your commitment is all over us, surrounding us like a shield even now. So Lord, I pray where people are just under it this morning, I just say breakthrough in this. Name of Jesus. We pray for faith to fill your heart. The Bible says uh, stand courageous, to take on courage, to bring it into your spirit. Lord, I speak courage in the hearts of your people, even now. God, touch us and fill us with such joy and strength. I say for to hopelessness, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Get out of people's hearts in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you. The clouds are parting in the spirit, the sun is shining. God, our circumstances will change eventually, and God, your goodness will be displayed in every single life. We praise you for that. So God, we worship in the storm. We're courageous in the storm. We're going to keep living out our calling in the storm, and God, we're going to stay connected to your people in the storm. Lord, we're in a good place. We're all going to make it, every last one of us, and we give you praise for that. Now, Lord, as we leave here today, fill us, with supernatural strength and joy and hope. And God, use us to love people, to find others who are hopeless right now, who have lost heart. And God, help us to bring strength and encouragement to others. We love you, Jesus. You're the captain of this ship. We're with you. We thank you for the destiny on this house and upon every one of us. We give you praise now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise.